Welcome to the Brand Led Podcast. We're your hosts, Kane Baker and Lisa Dondreo, co-founders of the branding studio, Baker Creative. We're on a mission to help you gain clarity in your brand and fulfillment in your work life. From strategy to visuals and beyond, we're arming you with bite-sized branding insights to help you build and grow a brand-led business. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Brand Led, where we share practical branding tips and insights so that you can attract high-value customers. And joining me today is brand strategist and my co-host, Lisa. How are you doing? Hello, Kane, and hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Hey, before we get started, I thought we'd try something a little bit different um, because we've got a really interesting question submitted from Alexander, mm. and he asked, would a branding investment help elevate my business? Okay. Uh, just to give you a bit of context, he's currently working full-time uh, but has a freelance business on the side, and he wants to know you know, when and how much he should invest in branding. So, can yes. Do you have any advice? Because you it's were in this, question. you were in this position a little a while ago too, uh, yeah. freelancing on the side while working full time. Yeah, I can definitely think of one tip straight off the bat would yeah. be um, to focus on developing your personal brand. Because uh, I guess looking back, this is something that you know I should have done sooner, and it's something that I'm actively working on this year to you know develop. So um, it's important personal branding because even if you eventually decide not to start your own business, it can help you, you know, have a professional presence online that's really going to communicate uh, who you are and what you stand for. And that can lead to a lot of, you know, great connections and conversations and career opportunities really. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I guess the other side of the equation um, in terms of monetary investment, uh, well, I guess if your business is still a side gig, it might be a good idea to keep your branding costs low when you're getting just getting started. And look, this makes a lot of sense logically. Um, don't spend what you're not making, but there are a few ex- exceptions to this, I would say. So for example, if you're a business who is working with high ticket clients trying to attract investors or in high risk situations, uh, proving that you're trustworthy is critical. Yeah. It's very important, right? Yeah, I agree. And that's what brand is really going to help you do. Mm. Um, because your customers are going to expect a higher quality service or solution. And they also may value, you know, attention to details. So you're going to want a logo or a visual identity that looks professional and that doesn't really look like, I guess, clip art or yeah. Yeah. Um, it's inexpensive. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you do have a little bit of money set aside and are confident that you can earn it quickly back in sales, it could be the right move to, you know, invest invest a decent amount into branding when you're first starting. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they're good points. Um, I'm going to give my two cents as well. Go for it. (laughs) So if it were me. Sorry, that was a bit long. but (laughs) No, no. um, I think that was great. If it were me, I'd do do two things, I think. I'd invest in building a community of like-minded followers, just like you said, so build your personal brand. Um, and even if you have nothing to sell them yet, you know, you might just, um, you know, jump onto Instagram or LinkedIn or even via email and just, you know, provide value and show who you are. And this can take a a little bit of time, but it's free. Um, it just costs you time. And the second thing is I would get really clear and specific about who I wanted to help and what outcome I wanted to help them achieve. Um, I found this really hard to do in our early years because we had so few clients and that we just we just kind of take on anyone that kind of came yeah. across our desk. Um, but I think that's a real fast track to becoming pretty forgettable and irrelevant. Yeah, good point. And um, how can our listeners, I guess, go about doing this? 
Yeah. So typically you find the right direction for your brand by looking for commonalities in your favorite customers. If you've, you know, worked with people before, uh, or in your personal interests and passions as well. And sometimes it's the intersection of those things. So it can take a little bit of digging, but once you find it, you can become known for something really specific and that will help you stand out. Mm, cool. So I guess coming back to the question, is branding important? Yes, absolutely. Even for new brands, because great visuals will give you confidence among other things. Yeah, they'll help you you know, communicate the right things to the right people and help you build trust. And a solid strategy will give you focus. It will really help you separate opportunities from distractions and arm you with a really clear and unique message that attracts the right people to your brand. Um, you know, should you spend a lot of money on it? Well, that depends on the value you think you'll get out of it and whether you prefer to invest time or money into the project. You know, you could spend time creating your own graphics or reading books on positioning yourself, or you could spend money, you know, hiring someone to do it for you. Mm. Either way, I think setting up a business is either going to cost you time or it's going to cost you money. Um, Yeah. It's really, really the question is, what do you have more of? Yeah, exactly. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it really is a, a personal decision based on your current situation and what you have um, available to you. Yeah. So I hope you, that helped you a little bit, Alexander, and all the best with evolving your side gig into a full-time career. That's really exciting. Um, I love seeing people pursuing their passions. Yeah. Don't you think the world would be just so different if everyone just loved their career? Yeah, <laughs> How happy would everyone be? be? <laughs> you know, um, it's very exciting when you're first starting out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's so let's, yeah, it. let's get back on track a bit um, and dive into today's topic, which is we just wanted to share three simple steps with you guys so that you can start attracting better customers. Yeah. So typically we meet customers who are at a turning point in their business. So they might have hit a revenue plateau and they just want to work out, you know, how they can take their business to that next level. They want to be more profitable uh, and usually they want to compete with the next tier of brands in their space. So for service-based businesses, uh, usually they get capped at the number of hours they have in a day, you know, that burnout feeling. Um, You know, to earn more, they need a bigger team. And to justify a bigger team, they need more customers. And for product-based businesses, you know, they might say they're growth stalling and think, you know, oh, I need to increase my reach or expand, you know, my target audience to include more people so I can sell more. So in these scenarios, you know, people talk about wanting more customers to brew boost boost their <laughs> profitability um and yeah, i think what coffee, I think. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what's interesting though is that few people talk about attracting better customers mm, yeah i love that because i guess some of our listeners might be wondering what you mean by better uh can you elaborate on better yeah so i mean the type of customers who are willing to pay more they're the type of people who buy more from you. Um, they will probably refer you to their network and they're probably going to become an advocate for your brand. They're your cheerleaders, yeah. Yeah, they're probably the first ones who are going to try a new offer or, you know, they're going to be the ones who will jump to your defense uh, if, you know, you're in a situation where someone's, you know, attacking you on social media nice. or something. Um, in the, at the park. <laughs> <laughs> and they're more, um, more likely to forgive a mistake as well. So. Yeah. Not only are they more profitable, but they're also the type of customer that's not going to drain your time and all your energy. Yeah, you don't just want any customers. You really want to resonate with the right customers, I think. Yeah. So today, we've just got a couple of tips for anyone wanting to start to attract better customers. And I suppose the first step is to identify who your best customers are. Uh, So what do they do? What do they value? 
how big is their business or, you know, if they're your B2C, how big is their family? What traits do they have? What life stage are they at? So on the flip side, you know, it might be easier sometimes for some businesses um, to answer the question, who isn't a good fit for us? If you've had a little bit of experience in your industry already, I've already worked with some customers, you probably know, you know, you've maybe had some bad experiences or people who you like, I would never work with someone like that again. Deal breakers, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, who, and also who won't really benefit from your products or services at the price point that they're at? You mm. know, like, you know, for the price that you want to charge someone, you know, who can't really benefit from what you do? Yeah. And uh, and what are their traits and their values and their characteristics? So there's kind of two sides, you know, who's really great, who do you want to attract and who don't you want to attract? And, and, and having those two conversations is really interesting. And I think it's important to understand as well. I know that it it was hard to accept this advice when you when we we were first starting out. <laughs> yeah. But the job of your brand isn't to attract everyone, right? Yes. It's to attract the right people and get rid of the rest, so you can get rid of the time wasters or the mm-hmm. people that don't align with your values. Um, and you can start, you know, repelling the wrong types of customers in all sorts of ways through the way you price your services or products, um, through the way you talk to them in in messaging, mm-hmm. and. By simply saying we're not the right fit to work with you and referring them to someone else as well, right? Yeah, if you're a service. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose, you know, once you've worked out, you've done that first step, so you've worked out who your best customers are, um, then you need to get even more specific. (laughs) So (laughs) because, you know, most people are really too broad in their audience definition and we are absolutely guilty of this or have been in the past. You know, you definitely want to increase your relevance to the right people and call them out. So Mm. if you love working with, people over 40, you need to be saying that on your website. If your product is designed for new mums, it needs to be shared somewhere. You need to say that to people. If your best customers are in the construction industry, that's who you need to target. So even though your offer could help lots of different types of people, the narrower the market that you serve, the more relevant you become to that group. So if someone fits with those characteristics, they're much more likely to choose you uh, rather than someone who does everything for everyone. Mm, yeah, totally. So I think an important note is, you know, being specific now doesn't mean you can't serve other audiences in the future, but you definitely need to create that solid foundation and reputation first. So you don't have to pick a vertical to specialize in either. You could serve, you know, people in certain a business or life stage or a certain family or business size. So, mm. um, you know, you can think creatively about it. You don't have to pick an industry, but yeah. I think being specific is just so critical. I definitely think at the early stages of your business as well, because I think a lot of people look to leaders in their space as well. They look, um, you know, to let's just say in our space, you know, we're, we're just a, a small brownie studio, but, mm. you know, the, there are teams around the world that have 300, 400 people and they're, you know, branding agencies mm-hmm. top tier. Um, let's say Pentagon, for example, you know, and Pentagram, Pentagram, and they, yeah. Pentagon, um, <laughs> and you know, they, they, you look at their work; it's not niched in any industry. But yeah. uh, my bet is, whenever they started a long, long, long ago, they may have focused on you know a couple yeah. and got really well known in those, and then they expanded and expanded. So yeah, yeah, I think a good test to see if your market is specific enough is to ask yourself where do where does this person like to hang out. And if your audience is too broad, for example, women or yeah. something like that, <laughs> yeah. then it's going to be hard to think of an exact place that yeah. they hang out. Where do women hang out, Kate? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to be sexist. Um, <laughs> if your audience is more specific, like retired women, um, you may be able to think of where they might 
like to be hanging out or yeah my mum's hanging out at the gym all the time I'll tell tell you what are they doing yeah (laughs) I'll tell you that's where a lot of the retired people are that I see (laughs) in the morning when I go to the gym yeah um so yeah I I totally agree so that's the second step is to you know get really specific on who your audience is and then the third step is to hone in on one problem that you solve or one outcome that you achieve so do you help them to improve their flexibility or, you know, scale to six figures or do you help them get rid of their persistent eczema? Mm. So the problem or the outcome that you choose should be something that you like to help with, but it should also be something that is quite painful and costly for your customer. So by calling out a specific outcome, you'll attract people who desire that outcome. That seems pretty obvious. But a lot of people focus on the services that they offer. So they give people a laundry list of services. Like we build websites and we do logos and all that yeah. kind of stuff in our industry, right? So they have to make their own, they have to diagnose <laughs> their own problem almost. Yeah, so that definitely has a place on your website. But as a customer, I want to know that you can solve my problem or help me achieve an outcome. And what I will add is becoming known for, you know, a product or a service could box you, potentially box you in and it's going to make it a lot harder to expand your offerings, you know, down the track? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's give an example. So let's just say, uh, Kane, you now own a Pilates studio, okay? Oh, lifelong <laughs> dream, yep. Yep, and you've been doing that for about five years now. Five years. And <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> that's great. And your clients really enjoy your classes and they know you for being a Pilates expert. Yeah, but recently, I'm pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> recently, you've been wanting to expand your services. Mm. You know, you've been studying nutrition on the side, um, maybe. And yeah. you've been doing, you know, got your certification and uh, you think you could help a lot of people with creating some diet plans, right? A lot of people okay. in your Pilates studio. And you've also um, maybe just hired a new Pilates instructor on your team. And, mm-hmm. you know, he is an incredible masseuse and you think, wow, that would be an excellent complimentary service to what I, what I offer currently, right? So now you don't just offer Pilates, but you also offer massage and nutritional consults. And so then, you know, someone comes along and asks you what you do. Um, it now gets a little bit more complex and harder to explain, yeah. right? <laughs> so, Massage Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all those clients who just started out just doing Pilates with you, they still know you for Pilates and they just still think of you as offering that one thing, right? Mm, yeah. It's very hard to switch someone's mind from, from what they used to know you as, right? Um, and so that's why becoming known for solving a problem or providing an outcome gives you way more scope to move. So, you know, instead of your Pilates studio just known for being a Pilates studio, what if you were known for um, resolving back pain? Yeah, right? back pain experts. Yeah. Yes. And now that's what you're known for. And so that could include a whole host of services. You know, you don't have to even just focus on nutrition and massage and, you know, you could have, I don't know, cryotherapy and I don't know, whatever else people do. Supplements. To supplements, yes, exactly. Yeah. And things that to help people with their back pain. So, you know, I know... Um, you know, our listeners are likely to solve a multitude of problems and create so many great outcomes for their customers. And they probably offer, you know, maybe a few different products and services. So this isn't about changing what you do. It's about changing how people perceive what you do, right? Yeah. So it's just reframing it. Yeah. Becoming known for solving a problem or achieving an outcome, it's going to give you more scope to move. And it's going to align with your customer's goals, right? Mm-hmm. And to your example, no one really wants to go to a Pilates class. Well, they, they could. <laughs> it's arguable. Yeah. But generally, they're, they, they're wanting the outcome of that class. They want a strong body or they want to stay fit. 
mm-hmm. or they want to even socialize in your mum's case. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Bron. That's a great final step um, just to focus on the one problem or outcome that you can help your clients or customers with. Yeah, exactly. And really, like all these steps that we've just mentioned are about increasing your relevancy to the right people. So if you put yourself in your customer's shoes, you know, and you you have persistent back pain and you're over 40, would you be going to a general studio who promises, you know, all different types of Pilates classes for any age? Or would you be going to a studio who promises back-friendly classes for people in your age group? Like, no which, brainer. which one is more relevant to you? Um, so let's quickly recap for our audience and you maybe can correct me if I missed anything along the way. Yeah. So number one. Um, would be first, you want to work down, uh, work out your ideal people. Um, who are they mm-hmm. and who are they not? Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, no-brainer characteristics and deal breaker, right? Mm-hmm. And then number two, get even more focused. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your ideal customer? Narrow in on one audience bucket that's easily identifiable, right? Yes. And then number three, finally, choose one problem and outcome that you can help those people with. Yes, exactly. Great. So, Did I pass? <laughs> good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, your job is to become hyper relevant to the right people. And, you know, the more relevant that you become to your ideal customers, the better you attract them. And that just leads to so many great outcomes, like being able to charge higher prices and getting, you know, repeat customers and building that loyalty. So, it has so many great benefits for a business, um, especially if you're a small business. Yeah, and most importantly, yeah, it's going to help you attract those high-value customers, right? Yes, exactly. So that's all for today's episode, I think. Unless you have anything else to add, Kate? That's it. Let's leave it there, hey? Yeah, so we hope you guys found this useful. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. And as always, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we'll leave our details in the show notes. Be a pal and leave a review. We'd really appreciate that as well. Yeah, even Um, just a rating. A rating, a review, whatever. It only takes about 30 seconds. So, you know, if you're enjoying it, please send the love. It lets us know that we're we're on the right track and we're doing the right thing for you guys. Um, But, yeah, without further ado, I think um, we'll end the episode there. And um, We'll see you all next week. See you next week.